Welcome to 3-Minute Ministry Mentor. I am your host, Eileen Campbell-Reed. In Season 5, we are excited to bring you interviews and conversations to inform and inspire your practice of ministry and nurture your pastoral imagination. Welcome to another episode of 3-Minute Ministry Mentor. Today, I want to welcome really three guests, although one of them is not a guest. Uh, Aaron Robinson Hall is uh, one of the team members of Three Minute Ministry Mentor, and she will be leading our conversation today. Uh, She is a podcaster, a mom of four, and the director of media and engagement for Three Minute Ministry Mentor. Aaron, we're so delighted you're with us today, of course. And we have another Aaron with us today. Uh, Aaron Stribus uh, is a lifetime Lutheran, a mom of two, and a freelance writer based in Chicago. She is co-author of The Beauty of Motherhood, Grace-Filled Devotions for the Early Years. And we're so delighted, Aaron Stribus, that you can be with us today. And we also have with us today Kim Knoll-Zeller, who is uh, the other co-author of The Beauty of Motherhood, Grace-Filled Devotions for the Early Years. And Kim is an ordained Lutheran pastor in the ELCA. She's a mother of two uh, and also the spouse of an ELCA pastor. We're delighted that she is with us. She uh, lives in Cole Camp, Missouri, and we'll show you all the ways to connect with both Kim and Aaron uh, in their socials. And we're thrilled to be talking today about this wonderful book. I have my copy right here. And uh, we're excited to be talking about the beauty of motherhood today. Erin Hall is going to lead our conversation today. So Erin, take us away. Okay. I am so excited about this conversation because number one, I think um, it affects so many of us who are in ministry who, who are growing our pastoral imagination, that motherhood and parenting is often a part of that. So thank you for your book and thank you for joining us. Um, one way we wanted to start today with talking about motherhood and what it looks like is a little bit of show and tell. So I challenge um, all of us to bring something that shows us what motherhood is like for you right now. So I thought that would be kind of fun. I'm happy to go first. This is Kim and I brought a mug. You can see that it is not fully here. It's a chipped mug that I dropped and it says Coffee and Crumbs, which is an online community for moms. But this is my coffee cup that I use in the morning when I get up early before my kids and drink hot coffee and do some reading and journaling. And it's just the reminder that every small thing that we can do for ourselves is a gift to our kids as well and can balance and rest our souls just a little bit. That's so good. And I love that you're hanging on to the broken mug. Yes. <laughs> it still has some What about you, Erin? I was like, here's my object. Like, this is my son's yoga mat. And um, I'm in the stage of motherhood where I am taking the small pause moments where I can. 
and leaning on yoga as a self-care practice and a moment for peace and groundedness. And so sometimes I have to grab my son's yoga mat if I have a quick moment of peace in the day just to do a little bit of a child's pose, a little bit of prayer and breathing to kind of ground and center myself before I move on with the day. Mine is in the car. So, you know, again, very indicative of being flexible and working with what you can do. <laughs> what about you, Erin? Okay, well, y'all got very spiritual. I'm going to tell you what I have. Um, so we have four children here, um, ages 5 to 10. These things pop up everywhere. Let me see. Let me get them right here. These, we call them squishies. I don't know what y'all call them. Um, these squishies are everywhere. And, they, you know, it's a comfort item. It's a fun thing. I think this one was our most recent Valentine gift. They're everywhere. And they fight over them. Um, you know, sometimes motherhood is precious. And then sometimes you're breaking up fights over squishies. So that's where I am in life right now. <laughs> what about you, Eileen? What's your show and tell? Well, speaking of yoga, um, whenever I go to a friend's yoga studio, she sort of specializes in um, prenatal and postnatal. And so I always introduce myself as I am 16 and a half years postpartum. <laughs> and um, that means I'm raising a teenager right now. And uh, there's a lot to love in it. And there's a lot of um, stresses and strains I never quite could have imagined. So what I brought for show and tell today was something she made when she was probably four. It's just a little pinch pot. And it's the kind that um, you make out of something that dries in the air. And I keep my most important jewelry in it inside my bigger sort of, you know, jewelry box. But it's a good reminder of that sweet little four-year-old that I love so much. And I love the 16-year-old too. She's all the different ages and stages uh, at once, even when uh, it's hard to remember that. So this is one of the many reminders. talk to you about this book, The Beauty of Motherhood. So it's a collection of devotions. Um, tell us, how did, how did this book come to be? How did you develop this book? Yes, absolutely. Well, this book was born out of a shared need that Kim and I felt for more devotions for moms centered in Lutheran theology, progressive Christian theology, um, a grace-centered approach to the devotional um, when I was a new mom, some of the devotionals that I was picking up and, and reading um, sometimes made me feel less than the ideal version of um, the Christian mom for what it's worth. And so I was looking for something that pulled the perspective away from me and more focused on how God was acting in my life. Um, you know, so how instead of less about what am I doing to be a better parent, how is grace threaded through my life? Where am I noticing God? Where is beauty showing up in the ordinary? Um, so Kim and I got together. Um, we are connected through Living Lutheran Magazine, where I was an editor for seven years. Um, and we started talking about, well, what could we do to bring this project to life? Um, and we used milestones, both for our kids and ourselves. Um, so the milestone, say, of weaning a child or the milestone for a, a mom of traveling away from her child for the first time. And we use these milestones as signposts to mine for beauty and the ordinary, grace in the ordinary, and um, to let faith reflections spill out from that. Um, this book that we created has a journey metaphor woven throughout it. And so the reader accompanies Kim and I as we mother from 
those hazy, sleep-deprived newborn days up into sending our children to preschool and kindergarten. Um, and one other thing I just want to say about the book is that our core message to readers, to moms, is that they are loved unconditionally and that they are enough in God's love. Um, so no matter how hard of a day a mom might have had, um, we want her to remember in each devotion that we've shared that God loves her and offers her grace. Um, and then that she can go out into the world and do the same for her family and herself. I love that that's where you start. That's so important. And I think something we need to hear over and over again. Um, so flipping through the book, I, I love a lot of the stories. I can really resonate with them. But at the end of each of your written devotion pieces, it has a practice. And I started to notice all of these are embodied practices. Can you tell us why you included those? Why is that important for parents? Since Aaron and I are in the thick of raising little kids, we are well aware that motherhood is exhausting and that it's very physical, right? Those early years where you're literally carrying a baby, whether that's in the womb or then after, the car seats in and out, mm -hmm. all the feeding, the nursing, those long nights where you're possibly pacing the hallways, um, sick kids, and then you play with your kids on the floor or out in the park. And so we wanted the practices in our devotional, we wanted the mothers to remember that their bodies and the bodies of their kids are good and that God created all of us and said, we are good. And so sometimes too, we can remember that the holiest prayer in those early years that we can offer is sometimes just a deep breath or a sigh. I feel that. <laughs> I think some of the best prayers I have offered sometimes are just open hands, deep breath, and just being present. Um, and I love that you name. It's very physical, right? I mean, this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and, and sometimes at the end of the day, we have, you know, little battle scars and messes on our shoulder or we're covered in mud. And, um, I just think it's so important that you name that and you still name all of that as good. The thing that comes to mind for me, Erin, after you shared that is um, words from communion, this is my body broken for you. And so, you know, one of the things that the book opens up and moves into is um, the metaphor of a mothering God. Um, and motherhood, I think, really helps us think about a God who um, in, becomes embodied in the form of Jesus and comes into our um, our very human, messy lives and enters in and love comes down to us. Um, and so I just, I, I love the idea of um, entering into the motherhood experience and thinking about how all of these um, sacrificial acts that we're doing for our children um, are an example of the, the deep and wide and boundless love that God has for us. So I wonder if we could hear a little bit of it. Absolutely. A worthy calling. However that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to which God called you. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. On my first day back after maternity leave, I sat in my car outside the office crying. I had just dropped my three-year-old at daycare, but I couldn't bring myself to start my workday. Can I start that over? <clears throat> sure. Sorry. On my first day back after maternity leave, I sat in my car outside the office crying. I had just dropped my three-month-old at daycare, 
but I couldn't bring myself to start my work day. Jack hadn't shed a tear when I gingerly handed him to his new caretaker. She'd held him close and said, hiya, Jack, then waved me out the door with a see you soon, mom. I walked out in a daze. After a year of togetherness, nine long months of pregnancy and three months of nursing, bonding, lullabies, and diaper changes, my baby and I were separated. Looking at the rearview mirror, I wiped mascara streaks from my under eyes. Will Jack be able to sleep? Will someone cuddle him when he cries? Why am I paying half my salary so strangers can care for my son? When I finally mustered the resolve to go inside, my workday passed quicker than I imagined. Kind colleagues left flowers on my desk and asked me questions about Jack. I had a backlog of emails to answer and fulfilling projects ahead, but something, someone was still missing. I'd left my my heart with my son at daycare. In the days that followed, I wrestled with feelings of guilt. I loved being back at my job and I hated being separated from my baby. I worried that my working to support our family might adversely affect Jack. A couple weeks later, my coworker sent me a calendar invite to a monthly mom's lunch. Sitting around the conference room were leaders from across our organization who'd walked the same path I was walking now. They juggled pumping in the lactation room and daycare pickups with meetings and deadlines. They knew the names, ages, and favorite activities of each other's children. When it was my turn to talk, they listened to my worries. They gave me the words of grace that I desperately needed to hear in that hard season. Working motherhood gets easier. The more time I spent with them, the more confident I felt as a working mom. In that room, I saw great moms, moms who fiercely loved their children and their jobs, moms who created miracles in the home and at the office, moms who were using their God-given talents to help others. What's more, I was one of them. Like the women in my mom's group, God's created you with a whole host of gifts for sharing with others. Whether you share them at home, in an office, or in a variety of settings, you can trust that the work you do to support your family is not only good, it's holy. Contrary to what culture tells moms, your many and varied callings aren't in conflict with one another. They are part of the multifaceted, exciting, beautiful person God created you to be. I'll be honest, some days I wish I could have stayed home with Jack in the first year of his life. While I can't get back the milestones and the moments I've missed, I can cherish the ones I have, big and small. Jack's first wobbly steps from the coffee table to the couch, the curl of his lips whenever he's about to burst with laughter, summer weeknights spent sliding, swinging, and chasing the sunlight, the first time he called me mama. Working motherhood with all its challenges has ultimately been a gift. It encourages me to pay attention to daily miracles with Jack, to thank God for them, to claim joy. I love that you named that we have multiple callings. I think that's such a beautiful story. What else would you guys offer about um, just that going back to work and juggling and then finding community? I want to say that, you know, in, in my uh, mother's, in my mom's group at work, um, that they were really um, mentors to me and I looked up to them. And whenever I was, was wrestling with feelings of guilt, I thought about some of the negative messages that I maybe was internalizing about work and motherhood. And then I thought, but would you say that to your colleague, Heidi, or your colleague, Andrea? And the answer was no, I admired them so much. And I saw just how much they cared about their kids and their work and how important um, 
those things are often seen as in conflict with one another in our culture. And, but I, I saw them and I saw them doing a wonderful job as moms and admiring them and getting advice from them allowed me to then stop wrestling as much with those feelings of guilt that tore at me in that first very difficult year of motherhood. Changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim, I want to look at something that you, I think you were the one who wrote this devotion in the book. Um, you talked about a definite community. Um, in one devotion, you talked about the interrupted sleep. And every parent knows about that. But you said, know that there are millions of parents across the world rising in the dark to soothe their children, a society of broken sleep. And that feels like a real connection. Um, For me, it matters to know that I'm not alone. What do you think is the power of naming that kind of experience? And then I want to talk about that rising in the dark. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. I, both Aaron and I have had these experiences of sleep deprivation as mall moms have. And so we both have a devotion in which we wrestle in the dark about what it is to care for our kids, to care for ourselves. And I think for me, the power was seeing that when one night I was driving around at 3 a.m. to see the moon and to realize that that moon, that light was there on me and my child, but also on all those other people who couldn't sleep for whatever reason, and on those who were sleeping, and on family and friends who I know from my hometown and across the world. And there's just this this peace in knowing that we're not alone and that the, the sun will come again. The night will end. And I think the community piece comes too sometimes by just sending a text. It can be as simple as sending a text to say, hey, I am tired. I'm feeling alone. And to offer that to friends and family and to then feel the the gifts of grace that come back when we acknowledge where we are and to say it out loud and then have others hear it with us. Yeah. I mean, it's a magical thing to be able to text, you know, your your true friends, you can text them at 3 a.m. And even if they don't read it, they'll read it, you know, when they wake up at normal human time and they know what you went through. I just love that. There's this image in what you said about rising in the dark. And it made me think of the way that parents do that for interrupted sleep, for nightmares, for babies who can't sleep, but also they do that for issues of justice when it comes to children. When we look at other children as also ours to care for. Tell me as moms, how do you see that image of rising in the dark? How do we do that collectively? Yeah, you know, what comes to mind first for me now as the parent of, so I have a one-year-old and also a six-year-old. It's his first year in kindergarten. And I think what comes to mind for me as a justice issue for all of our kids is sending them out into a world that's plagued by violence and aggression. Um, My son had his first, um, sorry, this is making me a little emotional, his first lockdown drill. Um, and, And I just... It's hard to think about that, that we're living in a society right now where we need to have lockdown drills. Um, And I'm not against safety. I think I'm just more against the whole idea that our children have to experience and be feel threatened um, by um, 
the, the potential of violence in our schools. Um, and so when it, just getting back to the question about it being a justice issue, I think that as parents and as a society, um, there, there's more we need to do to advocate for um, a peaceful learning experience for our children. Mm. Um, you know, our parenting has to be anchored in hope. Um, we know there's so much pain and suffering in the world, but I, I would love for us to both in our prayers and in our efforts to organize as a society, um, work to make things better for our kids and, um, you know, help troubled children know that they're not alone um, and that they are loved um, by God and that every child is made in God's image. Absolutely. And I also talk, uh, one of the devotions I write is about blessing and that we bless our kids. And we this is what we do in church as well. We bless at the end of the service and we do that knowing that we're sending the congregation, the people of God out into the world, not because it's this perfect world, but we know that this world is in need of peace and justice and hope. And so we bless sending people into this at times challenging situations, but we do it knowing that we're not alone, that God goes with us. Mm. And so I do that with my kids. We bless them because as much as I would not like this to be the case, but we have no control when we send them off into their schools and into the world, but we do it. And to remind us as parents and moms that God goes with them, God goes with us and loves us. That's so important and so tough. I mean, I'm still looking for the bubble wrap that can go around each of them and that protective covering. I'm, I'm a worrier, um, but I definitely hear what you're saying. That resonates so deeply with me. And I know, especially with Eileen, um, as you're raising a teenager as well. Yeah. I really appreciate the question, Erin, uh, because um, there are so many parents who have to rise in the night with very legitimate concerns and fears about whether their child will have enough to eat, whether their child can be safe, um, whether their child can grow up and do what we just, I think, probably in this little gathering here, expect our children will be able to do. Um, and I'm part of a thriving congregations um, conversation right now about how to work for the well-being of all children and the health and safety of all children, and especially black and brown children in our country who are um, unfairly marginalized and disenfranchised. And so raising our children's, children is so important and also that we work for uh, families that all families might be able to raise their children mm -hmm. in a way that they can feel a relative kind of safety, knowing that the world is never gonna be completely safe um, and we send them out with blessing and we send them out knowing they're going into a risky world. Um, but the uh, inequity in the way some children face that and others is part of my call and my concern that we work for a greater kind of justice than just our, beyond our own families. Absolutely. Our parenting practices are really faith practices. Um, okay, y'all, you really such richness in your book. And then you really just got what we call in the South, y'all are not in the South, you got to meddling because you named the motherhood metrics. And um, that's that comparison thing. 
right? When that your child is reaching all their milestones before my child is and what's wrong with me, or, you know, I'm not doing enough as a parent. What, you know, what have I missed? Um, I really heard that one. <laughs> um, can you talk about that sense of comparison and how we sometimes struggle with that? I think for me personally, the way to tune out of comparison, which is an ongoing daily reminder, because it doesn't come easily, is to at first turn off the phone, stop the scroll. And then the flip side of that is then, especially with milestones with my own children, is to not see what they're not doing, but to see what they can do and to lift that up and to be reminded that rather than fixating on that they're not meeting all those standards that their friends are, which I have done plenty of, specifically with my daughter's speech. But then to see like, well, what is she doing? Who is this child? How can I let her be her and love her and see her as God's child? Yeah. That's good. It also helps me thinking about um, there's so much in our society that's visual. So we get back to comparing ourselves with these picture perfect images of the ideal parents on Instagram. There's so much that's out of the frame. I think I talk about that in my devotion, the, the messiness of motherhood that's not covered. So all of us are carrying doubts and worries about our kids because we care about them. Right. Um, and some of those things are not captured in the images that we, the picture per perfect images that we see of influencers um, or just people we, people we admire. Um, and so there are doubts and fears and things that we, tensions that we hold every day that we can share with God, but others are experiencing that as well. So reminding, reminding, I think for me also reminding myself that um, whatever image someone is presenting of their parenthood, there's more to the story. There's more um, that someone might be carrying and they care about their child. And I, I know that kind of sounds bad, but it's just helpful to remember that there's a fullness to everyone and their parenting experiences and that we all um, grapple with some of these challenges. And I think they all are rooted in their desire for our kids to be well um, and be loved. Um, and so what helps me kind of get out of the comparison mindset is actually shifting from seeing motherhood as achievement. How can I prepare my child well, or how can my parent, my child be well prepared to succeed in the world? Um, shifting that framework to motherhood as vocation, as um, stewardship. So responding to God's call to love uh, my neighbor, in which case with, it would be my children. And so knowing I have a variety of vocations, but um that this is a core vocation in my life at, at this stage, how do I then help uh, steward my child's life well? And I, I just think that changes the question. Um, it draws away from um, preparations and more um, focuses on kindness and care and compassion and instilling a sense of love and um, also helping our kids respond to God's call in their lives as well. You know, with Three Minute Ministry Mentor, we talk a lot about ministry as a practice. It's not something that you're going to measure or use a metric. Are you getting it right or getting it wrong? You're simply growing and you're you're practicing. It's an ongoing journey. And I love that you brought motherhood into that as well. Motherhood as a vocation, parenting as a vocation. That's a really good reminder for us. 
And I would just add, parenting is a practice. I mean, when we start, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> uh, even if we've had great <laughs> models in our own parents or in a community of faith or neighbors or coworkers, um, we have to learn it by doing it. <laughs> and it's very similar to ministry in that way. They're both embodied, relational, uh, integrative spiritual practices. And I find a lot of overlap between the way I've learned parenting and the way years ago I was learning to practice ministry. And uh, they're both fraught. <laughs> and as you say, Erin Strybe is so much going on outside the frame. <laughs> so I really appreciate the ways you're approaching that and, and discouraging people from comparing and measuring themselves and leaning more into the vocation of it. And I would just say also it's a practice you, that means you get to try and try and sometimes you don't get it quite right and it's okay <laughs> it is okay so Aaron I love that you brought your son's yoga mat and <laughs> um, thinking about you know having different postures and throughout your book and throughout I think our moments here you've kind of set up a posture of learning what are you learning from your children this is such a rich question. And we, we do have some, as you mentioned, some stories woven into our book, but I want to tell one that's not in the book. Um, you know, I mentioned my oldest son, Jack just turned six and um, I've got a little one at home. My son, Adam, who is just running around now, well, not running, but he's about to, he is one and he's toddling around the house. So oftentimes I can get caught up in getting things ready for both boys. But the other day, um, I was in the kitchen getting dinner ready and my son, Jack kept shouting, mom, mom. And I was like, hold on one second, one second, right? That's sometimes what we do with our children. They're trying to get our attention, but we're busy doing something else and we want them to wait. Um, and when I finally lifted my head um, from uh, my work in the kitchen, I looked over and there was a beautiful sunset um, in our back window. And Jack was saying, mom, look at the sunset, you know, look at the colors, um, and that is so often what my boys do for me is they help me pause and appreciate the beauty in God's creation, God's fingerprints all over the world. And we're just, I get so caught up in the day-to-day -day work. Um, and then my sons kind of draw me back to God's visceral presence in creation. And my oldest son especially is just um, a beauty hunter. So he's always finding things to point out to me, to the sunset, the moon. Um, and it just is a reminder that God's goodness is near if we can only pause to see it, even on the hard days. Yes, I love that. And mine's pretty similar to that. My kids who are eight and five teach me to play, which is also then very much related to the present moment and to be in it. So yesterday we were at a store and we had to wait and so I took the kids outside and that seems like it could have been a, a perfect time for me to like get on my phone or just be frustrated about the waiting. And yet the kids were playing cheetahs and alligators and they were coming up on this platform and they had this island. And so in, I didn't take out my phone. I was there in that moment reminded that nothing is wasted. No time that I felt like could be used for something else. Like, no. This is where we're supposed to be. This is what it is to be with one another and play and imagine and just to, to give thanks right now. So Kim, are you a cheetah or an alligator? <laughs> <laughs> they were apparently making me into a, a baby cheetah and like biting me. 
Taking me to their magic island. We are giving away the beauty of motherhood in the month of March. If you follow us at 3-Minute Ministry Mentor and sign up for our weekly email, you'll be in the drawing for this giveaway and you might have this book in your mail soon. And when is the actual release date? March 21st. Okay. Just say my thanks again to both of you for um, taking time to come talk with us and reaching out originally to connect and um, be part of what we're doing at 3-Minute Ministry Mentor. And I'm grateful. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We're happy to be here. And we hope that this conversation is a benefit to your listeners. Yeah, for sure. We do certainly have lots of moms and some grandmoms and lots of parents um, of all genders. Uh, I think there will be plenty of folks who will find a lot of meaning in this. Thank you for listening to 3-Minute Ministry Mentor. For more podcasts, weekly episodes, videos, and blogs, please visit us at 3mmm.com dot us forward slash welcome. I am your host, Eileen Campbell-Reed, and I believe what you are doing matters. Let us know how we can support you.